3: To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events.
0: Well, uh, Chantal, I think you've written a very important book. I had the advantage of seeing an advanced copy. And it felt as though you were mapping out a landscape which was very familiar to me as a, a politician and part of the leadership of the Labour Party. I want to try to use this opportunity to bring out your ideas rather than to necessarily share my views about the world. But um, let me just start by recalling that the book begins with a reference to Machiavelli. Yeah. And what I think is interesting about Machiavelli is his advice to the prince uh, describes the landscape which the prince might inherit and then how to exercise power. And of course Gramsci talks about the modern prince as a political party. And I wonder whether somewhere in your mind um, you were writing a book, partly with people like me in mind and other political actors too, before we get on to a wider discussion of how you think the moment uh, is formulated.
4: Yeah, well in fact, um, definitely the book is, is, yes, for for, for hoping that there will be politicians like you who want to put into practice those ideas. And I see it at the beginning, it's a political intervention, it's not one more book on, on you know, what is populism, there is an incredible amount of literature about that, and, and I, I definitely you know not interested in going to that, I think it's it's a political engagement. Uh, my reference to Machiavelli, uh, yeah, of course, the modern print, but it's also what I found really very important in Machiavelli, that Machiavelli, in the conjuncture and not over the conjuncture and it's also something to which I feel you know I identify uh, very much with that because I do as a political theorist I'm not interested in making general theories and for instance uh, um, a lot of people political theorists make theories about how the world should be and when See, yeah, that's nice, but how are we going to get there? Ah, that's, that's not my problem, that's the politician. you know? But in fact, my work is always very much at the same time theoretical and political. And, and I always think in terms of specific conjuncture. For instance, uh, a previous book like On the Political uh, was thinking about the conjuncture here in Britain, about the third way, uh, Tony Blair, uh, uh, Giddens, and, and this, this moment, which I've called the moment of the post-politics. Then uh, agonistic is uh, a moment where, um, well, basically the alter globalization movement and what they've been called the movement of the square. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the kind of horizontalist type of politics. Mm-hmm. And then, in fact, for a left populism, it's a different conjuncture, that conjuncture we are uh, living in today, which I call the populist moment. Because I think that was interesting about the, um, and I will locate that beginning. Uh, well, 2015 or something like that, because it's the moment in which being aware of the fact that those horizontalist movements like the indignados in Spain or uh, Occupy, uh, the different form of Occupy, really did not manage to have much of impact. We've seen in different countries, uh, uh, in France, in Spain, um, movement that say, no, we need to engage with the institution. You know, we don't just can't have horizontalist uh, uh, movement in which we are uh, protesting. We need to have also a, um, an attempt to come to power and to transform the institution. And this is what I call the populist moment because it's a new form of left politics. We already have, in fact, those kind of resistances against uh, what I call the post-democratic situation from the the right-wing populists. But it's the moment in which now we're seeing left populists and by that, well, I suppose this is what you are going to want to uh, ask me, but basically yes, it's in a sense, to come back to your question, it is a a call for uh, engaging with the institution in order to transform them. Of course. In the case of the Labour Party, it has always been <laughs> something that you were uh, uh, you know, interested in. But for instance, movement like Podemos in Spain, La France Insoumise, uh, that that's, is is different. In fact, what is interesting about the Labour Party under Jeremy uh, Corbyn, I think, is that you are, in fact, transforming, re-signifying, I will say, a movement that already, has you a know, long history, but you are making change from within.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, though uh, the roots of Corbynism both lie within the traditional labour movement, which is, tends to be vertical in or hierarchically in character, almost nineteenth century, but equally in the social movements, you know, the peace movement, the women's movement, environmental, and so on. These have got a much more horizontal character. as did the Occupy movement? Um, when you talk about um, a populist moment, I'll ask you a bit in a moment or two what you if we can try to work out what we mean by populism. Um, but when you describe a populist moment, what are you thinking the characteristics of such a moment are?
4: Well, I uh, um, call that the populist mom- moment because I think that what we are saying, well, first I will say we are living, a, a, like, well, really, I really believe that, a crisis of the neoliberal model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, of course, began in 2008 with, with the economic crisis, but then, uh, um, Recently, with the, the uh, austerity policies, we've we've seen a lot of resistances against that. The consequence of uh, neoliberalism, 30 years of neoliberalism, has been the implementation of what I call a post-democracy. I mean, I take that, that term for in, in, in part from uh, uh, Colin Crouch, you know, wrote yeah. a book about that. But I I mean something a little bit different. Even if I agree with uh, what. Uh, uh, is saying about that. But I think basically, I th- for me, the uh, model of liberal democracy, pluralist democracy, is an articulation between two traditions, the liberal tradition, the liberal political tradition, uh, the separation of power, the, the, the rule of law, uh, the, the importance of, of individual freedom. But then the democratic tradition, which is a tradition that focuses mainly on the question of equality and popular sovereignty. Those two uh, um, traditions are articulated. Uh, uh, of course, I don't think that it's never possible to reconcile them completely. And what I, I, I argue in previous book is that there is some what I call an agonistic struggle between those two, to see which one is going to be the one which dominant. And in fact, it's also the conflict between right and left, huh? because the, 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 the right insists more on the question of liberty, the left of equality. But I think both are, are important. The problem with uh, what? I call the post-democratic situation is that as a consequence of neoliberalism we are now in a situation in which basically everything that has got to do with the democratic tradition of equality and popular sovereignty has been you know, left aside. And when we speak of democracy today, basically we are thinking of only the, the, the election, defense the of human rights, but everything that has got to do with really question of popular sovereignty has been evacuated. And that's a first ele- element. And that's what, in previous book, I have called post-politics. You know, that basically, and that's a consequence of the move toward the center of social democratic parties. Uh, and that is why I, I what I studied already, for instance, you not know, the political, the post-political moment, uh, which, unfortunately, I mean, I would say Britain was the, the vanguard of that in, in, in Europe. So this post-political moment is, means that Because parties of the center-right and the center-left don't really present different uh, uh, proposals, the citizens don't have a a real uh, voice anymore. You know, they go and vote, yes, but they vote for uh, two things which do not really offer an, an alternative. So the whole question of popular sovereignty has been uh, uh, eliminated. Uh, and of course, there is a second element of post-democracy, which is what I call a process of oligarchization of our societies. And that, of course, is due to the consequences of the new mode of regulation of capitalism, which has been implemented during neoliberalism, basically a financial capital, the, the fact that big because they've they become so prominent in, in capitalism, uh, the industries have been destroyed, the process of uh, well, glo- neoliberal globalization. And of course, a consequence of that is that uh, today uh, we are seeing a, a, a gulf Bigger and bigger uh, between a very small group of very rich people yeah. and, and, and then, you know, majority of, uh, groups. Not only, I mean, that part is important. And I think for my argument about, uh, left populism is, is an element that needs to be taken into account. The fact that today the consequences of uh, um, political austerity, that do not affect only uh, working class people. We have seen a process of proletarization, pauperization let's call it better, uh, precarization of the uh, uh, middle classes. And this is why, you know, I, I think that is what I call oligarchy. You know, this, is, this is something very different from what existed before during what I call the social democratic hegemony, the post-war Keynesian welfare state. Of course there were uh, uh, um, big differences, but not as big as today. I mean, mm-hmm. today I think the difference have uh, become really obscene. And the populist moment is the fact that we are you now beginning to see resistances against the, 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 this process of, of post-democracy. But we are seeing resistances which can be articulated both on, on the right, let's say, in terms of a nationalistic discourse, a xenophobic discourse. And in fact, it began by that. And I, I, think I think populist parties are the one who were the first to react against this situation of post-democracy. And what is interesting is that, Some was saying since 2015, we are seeing now also the same kind of uh, putting into question of this model on the side of the left. And so what I call populist moment is precisely that, the fact that the consensus of the center is being challenged uh, by a a movement uh, who say, no, there is an alternative. We are going to give back the people the right to decide. The, the democratic demands which are expressed to the, the, the populist movement are really articulated by the right-wing populists, as I was just saying before in a xenophobic term, but also by uh, uh, left populists whose uh, aim is to recover democracy but to radicalize democracy. And, and for instance, a big difference between right-wing populism and left-wing populism is that uh, the question of equality is not de- dealt with by right right-wing populism. why it is at the center of uh, a left populist project.
0: Well look the left uh, historically recognized all forms of all different forms of oppression in society but generally speaking gave primacy to the economic question and uh, certainly in the tradition of uh, historical materialism anyway. Therefore the working class broadly defined. not not the manual workers, but uh, we used to say, workers by hand or by brain, that was the main contradiction in society. The other forms of oppression against women or against black people or gays or whatever, all were factored into a left strategy, but there was a primacy around this economic tension within capitalist society. Now, I think uh, you are advocating uh, politics which doesn't give primacy to that anymore. Do you want to just say a few words about how you see the levels of uh, the forms of oppression in society and how a populist movement bring, recognizes the different forms.
4: Yeah, 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 no, I think that's very important. Well, first, I must say that in uh, my very first book written with Ernesto Laclau, mm-hmm. Hegemony in Socialist Strategy Towards Radical Democratic Politics, this is precisely the question that we were addressing. The fact that uh, uh, well, you are saying. I think you are a bit too generous, for, probably, with all the left because you are saying, well, they were taking that into account, but giving that, you know, some kind of sub, 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 subordinated place. Well. The book that went, was published in 1985, and I can tell you that, uh, uh, and in fact, the question was: uh, Why is it that both social democratic and Marxist parties, because they were at that moment still very important mm-hmm. Marxist parties, why then you know, do they not uh, understand the demand of what was called the new social movement and this, this, these demand that developed after uh, after 68? I was involved in the feminist movement and. I must tell you that, in many cases, when we were trying to speak with with, um, politicians of of the left about the demands of the women, well, they were, it's to be true, yes, a few were saying, yes, uh, it's important demand, but, you know, let's first establish socialism and then this problem will will be solved. So they were saying that it is, okay. But there were also many of them and I do remember. I "Oh, but those are petit bourgeois demand. You know, those are not important." Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, the, the left was not necessarily uh, recognizing the importance of those. And in fact, in, in hegemony, socialist strategy, we are inquiring about. You know, again. Like all uh, uh, my, my book, but this one, of course, was written so like, It's both political and theoretical. You know, it's, it's theory, but in order to understand a specific conjuncture, and we came to the conclusion that uh, what impeded the recognition of those demands is what we call class essentialism: the fa- the the, uh, the fact that there was some kind of. Philosophy, let's call it like that, that very much, of course, influenced by Marxism. but we found that also in social democratic mm-hmm. parties, that basically uh, consciousness is determined by your place in the relation of production. You know, so of course, all the demands which are not a class demands, well, they could not make sense of that. And this is, or in fact, hegemony is. And great part they, they dedicated to establish what we call a non-essentialist model, a, a theory that will allow to understand the different form of domination. Yep. Of course, we ne- never denied. they have been very, very malicious presentation of our argument, saying that we we say that you know class uh, uh, question is no no important. No, we never say that. We did, we did recognize the importance of of let's call it class, uh, even if we in fact. If total, a total philo, philosophical argument to, to put into question the way in which class is defined in, in Marx. But let's leave that for uh, uh, here because it too, will take us too long. But basically, what we were saying that yeah, they are the, dominant, but they are other form of domination than the class one. You know, and uh, the question of of uh, feminism, uh, the, the the gay movement, um, the the anti-racism. Um, well, today, of course, I will add the question of ecology. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, it was not yeah. something that was so important. But so, m- multiple form of of domination. Uh, let's call them exploitation, discrimination, because of course it's not the same in all cases. But uh, uh, and we were arguing it is necessary to articulate those demands. We, we, we use the term of establish a chain of equivalence between them, and. Is true, and, and that, of course, something that was very much resisted by uh, Marxists. We were saying there is no a priori privilege to the working class demand. You know, of course, uh, in some circumstances, those demands can be the 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 one which are going to help to establish the self of equivalence, but not necessarily. For instance, I remember at that uh, time uh, there was a very strong. Uh, um, Gay movement in San Francisco, and, and and I think that the gay movement, in a sense, you know, played the, the role of the vanguard of, of many movements. And I will say that today, uh, in many countries at least, uh, for instance, what has been happening in Latin America around the feminist uh, movement of uh, uh, Non Unamenos or uh, in Spain recently, uh, there is a lot of discussion at the moment if. The woman uh, uh, struggle could not be, you know, the, the, the one which is, the, the, uh, which will help to, to, to articulate all the demands. So it's just to indicate that, of course, it could be the working class, but it's not necessarily the, the, the working class which should be the vanguard of, mm-hmm. of those, uh, the, the struggle. And, uh, and in fact, for us, the main struggle is what we call a process, and this of radicalization of democracy, and this is why in hegemony we propose to redefine the socialist struggle in terms of radicalization of democracy. And of course, we 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 say if we understand by socialism the basically the the, the uh, um, equality in economic relation. Of course, it's a, a, it's a very important element of the process of radicalization of democracy, but it's not the only one. No. You know, So it's, it's, a, it's a stage, let's say, but it's, it's not that it should not be seen as the objective towards which we all uh, are going to uh, try to converge.
0: OK, well, I th- it'd be interesting the conversation we have with the, all of you here, um, because when we met uh, previously, a couple of weeks ago, I was interested in this question of whether austerity and neoliberalism actually is the single uh, common factor which disfigures so much of our societies. But I want to move on to discuss um, what the left might do uh, to take take the opportunity which is available from this uh, populist moment, as you describe it. And what you propose is a concept of the people I wonder, and with multiple forms of uh, oppression, uh, domination of one kind or another, including class but other things as well. Do you want to just talk a little bit about what you mean by the people, how we can compose the people? I want to move on later to, go ask, you about, to ask you about discursive, the mm-hmm. discursive process, oh, yeah. but maybe first you can describe how you uh, see the people.
4: Yes, okay. So, uh, first here I will need, uh, to insist on, on, a little point of theory because it's crucial in order to understand, you know, the question of, uh, of, of populism. Because, you know, by populism, what we, and, and here in fact, and I saw is the one who has made the more important theoretical reflection on that in, in his book, uh, on populist reason. And, and on that point I, I, I follow him, you know, I say, uh, Populism is a specific way to establish the political frontier. Mm -hmm. So by saying, and and we start from a conception of politics, which is called the dissociative conception. Because there are, in fact, two ways to understand the, the political. One is what is called the associative conception, which is, well, politics is really the field of acting in common and in which we are going to try to reach consensus. Uh, There is another one, which is called the dissociative, and say, no, politics has got to do with conflict, with antagonism. If there is politics in other societies, it's because there is conflict. And it means that society is divided, and that's very Machiavellian, by the way. Uh, uh, And, uh, in fact, uh, politics is always partisan, and it has got to do with the construction of the us versus the them. Uh, this is you know, That's what, what we understand by co- establishing a political frontier. Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, for the liberals, there is no political frontier. You know, we are all, there is no. no. Uh, for the Marxists, there is a political frontier. But it's a political frontier that is constructed on, constructed on the term working class versus the bourgeoisie. And, in fact, the specificity of the populist political frontier, is to say, no, it's not the working class versus the bourgeoisie, it's the people versus the oligarchy. Yeah. And by people, precisely we understand a multi, a, the multiplicity of form of uh, uh, um, domination. Well, the people who are, let's say, uh, uh, affected by uh, the, those form of, of, of domination. So the people, of course, here I want to insist but there have been many misunderstandings. When we say the people is not an empirical referent, uh, 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 is not a sociological category uh, because for instance uh, in in France some people have asked me but does the people vote for jean-luc mélenchon it doesn't have it doesn't have a meaning that is not we are not referring to the people you know but the people in uh, the people the demos is uh, 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 the, the the people as a political actor so this is always something which is uh, constructed and become become Develop that later, but so when we understand what we understand by the people in the cons, populist construction, is precisely a fact that it not simply construct the political frontier is not simply constructed in terms of class, it is constructed in terms of the multiplicity of form of subordination, you know, and the, let's say the, the the people basically what we uh, 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 mean by that is the construction of a collective will, you know, uh, how are we going to, There, are, there is a multiplicity of a very heterogeneous form of resistance, of democratic demands in society, and the question is that, how oh, we are going to articulate them, so to create a common will, a common will, of course, that will, what does need to have an, an, an adversary, and the adversary will be the, in the, 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 this case, obviously, the uh, oligarchy, but it is, or we are going to create really popular movement around a series of of, of demand. So uh, 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 I think, in a sense, I mean, you will uh, probably uh, uh, you say if you agree with that or not. But what I find interesting, for instance, in the the evolution or the moment of the uh, uh, Labour Party under uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Is that it's, and that's why I dare to, to say in the book that for me it's a form of left populism, is because clearly uh, there is an attempt to articulate the demand of the working class with a multiplicity of other demands in order to create really a popular movement, yeah, sure, you know?
0: Sure. Well, look, uh, uh, it's an interesting point, and of course, uh, I was thinking uh, if we could have a manifesto called The People Against the Oligarchy. Um, but we called it the many against the few, yeah, for the, same, the many. It, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, but, but that's it, you know, the many is the people is the and people. the few and is
0: the oligarchy.
5: I think, yeah.
0: And in the discussions uh, that we were having, uh, the small group of people which forms the leadership of the party, before we knew there was going to be an election, we talked long and hard about exactly how we might propose, approach an election. Some people were arguing that the manifesto should simply say Labour is for the many. And when you that think about would not, about, be a it would not work that because it not there be a is a Republican cleavage in society
1: yeah.
0: and uh, it doesn't reflect our politics and our jamis politics. And it doesn't, uh, as you say, allow us to mobilize around that. So we came up with for the many, not the few. And I think that does give an expression to um, you know, the ideas in, in your book. I mean, I was looking as we were coming across the previous Labour manifestos forward, not back, completely vacuous, for a better Britain, those kind of phrases. Let's build the future. And what I think you get with uh, the current leadership of the party is it's for the many, not the few, a clear definition of a cleavage in society and a manifesto which you can look at all the parts of which all are framed around this central articulated argument and it is about class, but it's about all the other forms of oppression. Too, but what I wanted to just probe you a little bit on is because you described quite, you know, quite a lot in the book, and I think this is an important book, and it's important for us in the leadership of the party, um, this discursive process. How do we arrive at the multitude becoming the people or the many, in a sense, and it reminded me, I said to you privately, didn't I, about Marx, who talked about a class in itself needs to become a class for itself. How do we get from the disparate, heterogeneous, fragmented nature of our society uh, into a movement for change where the people (laughs) understand itself as a people against the oligarchy? You describe it as a discurs, discursive process. I wonder if you can just say a few yeah, words about that. Yeah, it is, it
4: is a, a discursive construction because, for instance, and that point that we criticize already in hegemony, the idea that they were objective interest. There are no objective interest. Let's say interests which are necessarily linked to your position. That, and for instance, is the whole question of the you know objective interest of the working class. For socialism, it means that. Uh, if they are not well I don't like at all this idea of course for itself and in itself no. you know no, no because I think that's totally essentialist yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, because really the question is that and to, it leads to the, the old problematic of false consciousness you know yeah. so if the workers if, if they have got objective interest, and they do not act according to that. Ah, it's because they've got false consciousness. You know, the whole question of false consciousness. Well, this is exactly at the center of our criticism of what we call class essentialism in hegemonic socialist strategy. You see? No, interests are uh, uh, always the result of what we call a discursive construction. But here, I insist again because that has been very badly understood by discursive. We do not understand only you know speech and, and writing. Discursive practices, discursive practices. They are uh, practices in which we all, always have a mixture of, of you know acting, material thing, uh, uh, signs, and affective element. Because for me that that's another element. So so you know discursive practices are in fact we could call, call them they are signifying affective practices a, a situation in in which uh, um, I don't want to, to make an uh, uh, to be a, too, too philosophical but for instance in Spinoza we find a very interesting reflection about in what what uh, he, he he call the situation in 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 which one is inscribed, and then that that situation affection. He call it affection. Mm-hmm. It means that you know, oh, you are affected by something, mm-hmm. and this affection is going to to lead to affectus, which is an affective element. So. To, to, to come back with it and, and try to imagine, because of course it's a big question that you're asking me, you know, how are we going to create this the, the people? Well, basically my first answer is that it needs to be uh, uh, the result of discursive strategy. And this is what I think that I want to insist that by populism, I do not refer any right road, uh, uh, definitively on the work of Ernesto Laclau. Populism uh, is not a regime, it's not an ideology. Is not something that, you know, it, it, it is a discursive strategy of the construction of the, of the political frontier. You know? And of course, it, it's done to a series of different practices. Uh, in fact, I'm personally, uh, uh, I've been interested in the way in which artistic and cultural practices yeah. are crucial yeah. for the creation of, of, yeah. of that. But there are many other, you know, they are. So it's always, so basically, what we have to imagine is how can we create the affection, to use the term of, of, of Pinosa, or the practices, which are going to lead—I mean, make, make, create form of subjectivity in which people will uh, uh, find that their interests converge. You know, and and I think that that is is uh, it's not something that can be pure uh, a, a theory. The, the, it's basically a question of practices, yeah. and it seemed to me that that the Corbyn uh, L- Labour Party, you you become uh, aware of the of the importance of that, you know, creating a series of events uh, in which people yeah. congregate and and suddenly begin to to have their, you know, yeah. recognize that their uh, democratic demands as yeah. workers yeah. converge with yeah. the democratic demands of of other groups. Yeah. Uh, um,
2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: So, we're thinking very hard about um, democratizing the wider society. I always used to talk about praxis, by the way the unity of theory and praxis as part of the discursive process which you're describing, um, you can exemplify ideas in actions, and that can work uh, often more effectively than uh, with respect to writing books or articles, also in events too. But I just want to just finally, one thing which struck me about your book which we didn't talk about when we met privately, which I think uh, the audience may be interested in, is this business of reason. that The left wants to imagine it's the inheritor of the Enlightenment tradition and the idea of reason. But when you think about it, uh, for a moment, actually most people don't make decisions purely in a rational way. It's all sorts of parts of one's being which leads you eventually to make a decision to break with the status quo and try to create a new kind of society. And in the book, you begin to discuss some of the, the work you've done looking at psychological, analytical theory and so on. And for the, we might call it the modern prince, for those people mm-hmm. who are trying to create the people and popul- to take advantage of a populist moment, what do you think we might be reflecting on in terms of those thoughts before I, I then open it up to the, to the audience?
4: <laughs> well, it's a big question, but for instance, and of course, it's very central, it's one of my... <laughs> Uh, uh, crucial point of reflection, right. and of course it, it, it links to the question of, of the affective dimension. I am really convinced that one of the re- blocks for, for the, the, the development and the success of, of of the left is that the left is much too rationalistic. Yeah. You know, They believe that uh, uh, you should, in politics, you should only you should give reason. No should argument you yeah. should not mobilize my, my i i i i got an expression that i use much in my view, the mobilization of passion yeah. by passion here i'm i've got a special understanding of passion because it's not the individual <coughs> passion is this in fact the pas- by passion my I, passion i mean collective effects because i think that in order to create a people you need a people is a crystallization of common effects mm-hmm. and how are you going precisely to Create those common effects. It's not by uh, 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 reasoning, even if there is an element of reasoning, of course. But let's say ideas only a force when they touch people in their in their affects. If not, you know, you can read that, and and it does not affect you. And I think that this is really a problem with with the left, and that's a reason I would say why there is so much resistance to left populism, because left populism. Say we can't leave the question of affects to the right because the right does use affects. you know. And it's in fact, it's a reason for which many people are no, The affect that's a question of the right, you know. The, we, we on the left we use yeah. reason. And of course, if you leave all the terrain of affect to the right, well, you are you are really putting yourself okay. in a completely uh, uh, subsidiary uh, situation. So we need to fight uh, uh, that terrain of the affect, but articulate things move, because I think that affects are very, can be mobilized in different ways. You know, the effect is not that some people and I disagree with that. Because the fact that yeah, oh, there are, are negative effects and positive effects. I think that uh, well, Spinoza, to quote him again, usually is to say that yeah, there is the two main effects in politics: fear and hope. Yeah. You know, and it's true that yeah. to a certain degree, yeah. uh, the right tend yeah. to mobilize things in a direction of fear, yeah. and yeah. the left should yeah. with uh, hope. You know, that. That's, but but it's not so clear cut. But in principle, yet it's true. So the, the question is precisely to uh, break with, with, with this idea that we should only use effect and give statistics. For instance, I was not long ago in, in, in a discussion in, in Holland on question of immigration. And there, they were all those people coming. on. No, but the problem is that people don't have the right uh, uh, information. You know, in, in fact, if they knew that it's not uh, one million, but uh, no, and, and and there was this woman with all the statistic and said this is a question. I said, but this is not. You know, the question of immigration is a question of creating empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, not 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 a question of giving numbers. Sure. You know, and, but I I really think that this is a serious problem with the left.
0: I agree with you, I agree with you very much. Look, we're going to open it up. We could have talked for another two or three hours, because um, uh, there's so much to uh, discuss, but let me take three or four questions.
1: Chantal, you, you just uh, said something about the mobilization of passion. I understand that about 100,000 people marched on the anti-Brexit march a couple of weeks ago, and in relation to that, or next to that, sadly only about 50,000, to celebrate the NHS last weekend. How can the left mobilize that passion um, of those people uh, who went on that (laughs) anti-Brexit march? and <laughs> empathize with those people. Let me take, I, wish take
4: I, had, I wish I had the answer, but don't expect me to, to, to solve all oh, the problem of oh, British, British politics. politics.
0: <laughs> okay, there's a, there's a guy there, and then we'll take the woman at the back, and then we'll take a couple on this side, and then we'll get Chantal to the, the guy there.
3: Uh, thank you for the talk. It was very interesting. So my question is um, about what you describe as the discursive construction of the people, and I've read the work that with uh, Laclau, and um, also I see that you understand the discursive in a dialectic with the social, uh, which means that within the people, because the populist construction of the people usually is broad and all inclusive and uh, invites everyone to be part of this. I think within the people, there are already existing inequalities. So by constructing the people as a whole, doesn't the discourse actually comes to Misrecognize or even legitimise the already existing inequalities that are part of the people.
0: That's a good point. I think it's a right at the back, is it, I guess?
3: Yeah.
1: So, Chantal, um, sorry to be a bit late, but I'm really excited about your book and longing to read it. So, my question is um, really to ask you to amplify, maybe it's in the book, so I should wait, but um, a bit more on the questions of power. I mean, in the sense of the constitution of the people as um, a source of agency and a source of power uh, and uh, in particular this the, the idea I think of as it were powers transformative capacity which seems to be in a sense what we are talking about when we're talking about the power of the people as distinct from powers domination which is the power of the elites or the power it can be a power of government and so I'm just I'm just wondering how that dimension of power kind of fits in and how we can think about the constitution of the people as in terms of their sense of agency, whether, I mean, I think your point about discursive practice is key here and whether in a sense that development of a practice through which people discover their transformative capacity. Like you could say the women's movement is a good example of where a movement was constituted through its kind of um, its discovery of its transformative capacity through refusal, you know, of oppression, but then through creation of alternatives, and it would point to the importance of having a party that isn't just discursive, isn't just mobilizing, but is also actually, in a way, creative, is creating alternatives in the process of building itself.
4: Do you want to say those three? OK, yeah. Okay. Well, the first, I've already said, I, I wish I had the, uh, uh, um, well, honestly, I don't think that, uh, uh, um, wh- why so many on Brexit and why, why? Well, you can't expect, you know, to mobilize. They, they are some issue that mobilize passion e- e- easier that, than uh, uh, others. And I, I honestly don't. Uh, um, I, it's, it's, well, you, here, for instance, yeah, one should try, try to, to, the question of the, the, in order to mobilize people around the, the NHS, you need to have a narrative in which, for instance, not just the NHS, but view of, of a, a society in which you are going to create a form of equality, you know, it, it, it needs to be uh, um, inscribed in a wider project, I think, you know, that, that if it just, the the uh, uh, NHS. It's important, but it, it should be linked to uh, a, a new conception of how we are going to live in common. And I think, for instance, uh, uh, if it should be inscribed in a project of radicalization of democracy, question of creating equality and showing how the NHS is an important <laughs> element in this project of radicalization of democracy, you know. But, so. Uh, um, the, the, I'm, well, the question of Hilary, Hilary uh, here, of course, uh, uh, you are in fact trying to push me into your terrain because this is the kind of reflection that you are doing. And I think it's important, but this is not the the, 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 the way, because what I'm interested in is a different question, is uh, all those different movements is more, much more directly political in the more traditional sense, in the sense that my... Uh, what I'm really, uh, uh, well, more than interested, because it, it, I, I think that today we are in a situation in which there is the possibility of creating uh, a new hegemony, to break with uh, a neoliberal hegemony and create a, a new hegemony. A new hegemony that, you know, could be in fact lead to more authoritarian form of government if it's the right wing populism that wins, but also a hegemony that would be a radicalization of democracy. Uh, uh if it's left populism. And there, uh, uh and in fact it's a point that uh, uh, I, you kind of touched on it, but I did not develop it. I think what's at stake is precisely the articulation of the horizontal with the vertical. Yeah. Your reflection Hillary, is mainly concerned, I think it's very important on the, the, the horizontal and what form for power creating. And I think that's important. But I think that uh, it's also crucial to realize that uh, I mean, that's at least my conviction. Uh, uh, social movements on their own are never going to really uh, transform a profoundly relation of power and create a new hegemony. They need to be articulated with, and that's of course the question of the, of the, the modern print, the party. You know, for me, left, left populism is precisely the moment in which there is the articulation with, from, between the horizontal and, and the, the vertical to the way in which you are going to enter state institution because too often, and I think that has been one of the problems with the movement of the square. You know, the, ah, the state, no, we don't, it, it, they follow basically a politic of exodus uh, and desertion defended by uh, um, Antonio Negri and Michael Hart, you know. We are going to construct our societies independently of parties, trade unions, uh, those are going to disappear. What we want is, is the auto-organization of the multitude and the power of the multitude. Well, I'm uh, sorry, but I don't think that the power of the multitude of the social media on their own are ever going to transform profoundly our societies. We need to uh, uh, channel those into a, a more political uh, a moment. We need to come to power. We need to transform the the, 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 the the state. And this is what left populism is about. You know, This is a, a project. Uh, and this, for instance, is, is the difference between in, in Spain between the indignados and Podemos, yeah. you know, Podemos at some point when mm-hmm. I say no, uh, because after all, what happened in Spain, uh, um, we had during several months, incredible fervency, uh, uh, but then, you know, that more or less disappeared, they were election and it was the Partido Popular, the right, who came to power with an absolute majority. So, and, and then is the moment when the people, you know, the, the, this group of uh, professor at the uh, Complutente, they say, no, but we can't possibly, you know, lose all this. Uh, uh, we, and we need to channel that. And, and they created polymorphs. And uh, so this, this is the, the left populist moment, the moment in which the different, uh, uh, the horizontalist movement, the social movement create, well, they yeah, are the modern prince, in order to transform society. The, the Your question was, can you remember, Mikono? Uh, uh, it was a theoretical question. Can you just say uh, to Führer, I will remember, but just give me a teasing. To uh,
3: that's what also differentiates right from left-wing populism. Yeah. And my point is that the discourse that comes to construct the people. Uh, no
4: no 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 I, I remember no. Uh, uh, it yeah, doesn't
3: yeah. come in a historical. Yeah yeah, variant, yeah, yeah.
4: no no, so. no I remember no no well of course <laughs> the the, the equalities among the, 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 the people well yes of course but you see the question is that it's what's at stake here is the construction of a new popular uh, collective will. The chain of equivalence, we've always, uh, is not simply a question of, well, we, in, in French, we speak of convergence, del, del, convergence of struggle, I suppose, you know, here. It's not, a, or the, the, the idea of the rainbow coalition. Mm -hmm. There is a strategy which is, okay, there are all those different struggles, no, that wouldn't work. because I think precisely because what we are saying, but there are too many different inequalities. So what is at stake in the uh, creation of a chain of equivalence is a transformation of subjectivity, is a transformation of the way in which people express their demand. and this is, I think, is extremely important. Because if not, of course, you are going to enter into a lot of problem and contradiction. Because there is absolutely no automatic convergence between the demand of the worker, between the demand of the woman, and the demand of of, 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 of the other races. In yeah. fact, in many cases, they conflict. Yeah. You know, So we need to create a new form of, of, of subjectivity in which, for instance, uh, it will be unthinkable for workers to uh, define their demand in a way in which it it's the woman who, or, or the immigrants who are, who are going to share to to have the burden, or in the same thing. For instance, the question of feminists. Um, it's not only you know my 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 problem, uh, uh, but also you know my, my problem articulated with with other problems. And uh, for me the question of articulation of the is crucial, because I don't think that there is any. Demand that is in itself intrinsically emancipatory. It all depends in the way it is articulated. I just give you two examples of that. Uh, um, for instance, what the success of Marine Le Pen in France is precisely because she is able to articulate the demand of the workers, which are uh, in in a way in which she, she uh, uh, said, well, you know, I, I I understand your suffering, but you is is the immigrants which are responsible of, of that? So she, she, it's a way she articulated. Or, and she also is very clever in articulating a certain form of feminism against the Muslim, mm. you know, because, mm. uh, the, the feb, I, at first I don't, I must confess I don't really like the idea of the feminism. I think they are feminism and feminism which can be very emancipatory and other who are not emancipatory. So the, if, if we want really to have a project <coughs> of radicalization of democracy, it's very important to articulate The the demand in such a way that, you know, there there is a link between the struggle of the woman and the struggle of the worker and the struggle of of, of, of anti-racism. Another very interesting (laughs) example and and worrying, I I, I will say, is the way in which today they are form of articulation of ecology, which are very reactionary, Mm. very reactionary and very (laughs) authoritarian. So the ecological struggle is not by itself necessary emancipatory is how it is articulated and I will say that this is the same for the feminist movement the same for the workers movement the same for uh, so and this is precisely the chain of equivalence you know oh we are going to construct new form of subjectivities in which the the, the, the different uh, democratic demands are articulated
0: okay let me take uh, two or three from this side yes the lady back there with her hand up and then this
6: uh, with this um, transformation of subjectivity, I'm interested in the idea of effect and how you can, if we're going to base it on having a collective sort of feeling of effect, as you were talking about, how do you get people who have their identity and their struggle based in feminism or in the worker struggle, how do you get them to sort of reach across and have a sort of collective effect? Is it empathy? I mean, what's what's missing in order to make that leap? So we're on a more kind of collective... So sense of solidarity.
5: Good point. Was anyone over here? Yeah. Um, so one thing that's really struck me about left-wing populist movements at the moment, particularly the ones that have explicitly based themselves on your ideas, is their focus on political structures and political reform and sort of, I guess you'd say, the transformation of the state. So Mélenchon, with his central demand being for a constituent assembly to draw up a constitution for a sixth republic, Podemos have also called for a constitutional convention, and I guess less directly linked to your ideas, but Bernie Sanders in America focused on a political revolution and changing the political structure of the United States. And I wondered if you saw that kind of demand and the focus on political reforms as opposed to, or or political reforms as the first stage to economic reforms as central to left-wing populism, and I wondered how you'd fit that in with Corbynism, which I think John has been quite alone in talking about things like a constitutional convention within the Corbyn movement, which hasn't really talked very much about changing the structure of the British state.
7: My question is related with the the concept of nationalism. Um, The concept of? Nationalism, Nationalism. yeah. Yeah. Nationalism. Yeah, Uh, when we are are thinking about the constructing of the chain of equivalence among the different uh, democratic demands, also constructing of the people, (laughs) And then we see the, uh, the, 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 issue of the nationalism became an issue for, for creating such as, you know, progressive movement for the left. You know, when you mentioned the, the relation between Podemos and, and Indignados, you know, synergize between those two, uh, one, on the one hand side, a, part, a political party and other side, social movement. And then also the, the, the issue of the uh, Catalan, Nationalism also became an issue for the left-wing populism. I think how we can construct it, a new ontology beyond neoliberal understanding of methodological nationalism. You know, it's, it's always the issues for the left, uh, which is we cannot really go to the beyond and create a new, new type of the collective villa in a sense
4: yeah well, uh, I'm, I, you know I think that this is, there is no, no recipe for those questions. Uh, basically, I think that this is all a question of of uh, uh, articulation. I think and, and it's clear that there are some form of nationalism which are uh, more progressive than others. personally, and, and here I'm just saying this is, this is my personal uh, position, I, I find that Scottish nationalism much more progressive than Catalan nationalism. Because the Scottish nationalism is really much more open; It's not ethnically based, uh, as far as I know. You know, and and why uh, Catalan nationalism, for which I must confess I don't have much sympathy, <laughs> is because basically it's the the, 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 the the rich, that you know say, well, why should we care about uh, Andalusia? And we are is the richest part of Catalan Catalonia is the richest part of uh, Spain. You know, they, they, they I. I I think that it's, uh, um, it is something which, yeah, it's like something egoistic. See, we, we, the, 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 I don't see really the, 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 an element of solidarity in that. You know, why it seemed to me that in Scottish nationalism there is much more. Nationalism can be articulated in many different ways, and, and I'm definitely uh, not. Uh, uh of those people who say nationalism is something ne- necessarily bad. And for instance I think and um, the, the left-wing populist movement has usually been but podemos, uh, France Insoumise, critic, criticized precisely because they uh, uh, insist very much on the role of the nation. Well I think that the role of the nation in present circumstances is very important. And we, uh, I'm not at all, you know, in favour of this kind of cosmopolitan uh, view, because I think that after all, the, the nation is really where we can first exercise of our right of citizenship. You know, it's a way in which it's very important to, to of course, not in the sense that you are enclosing yourself, and non, not at all uh, uh, in favor of what they call in France, sovereignism. You know, it's, it's not the nation in order to close uh, oneself in the border. But the construct, the, the, the nation, in a sense in which we are going to radicalize democracy. And of course, when you, the, uh, and I think, for instance, uh, there, there is a lot of discussion at the moment about you know, the, the next European election, uh, um, precisely about that issue. Because I think that struggle needs first to be organized at the level of the nation and then establish, you know, link, link with other similar movements in, 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 in Europe. I'm not in favor of the strategy of Varoufakis, for instance, with, okay, we do something, the uh, and then, no, no, we need to start from the, the base and the grassroots, and then, of course, establish contact. But basically, it, it's a, And also, uh, uh, linked to the nation, you did not mention that, but I want to say something about it. I I very much defend the idea of what I call a left wing patriotism. One of the reasons why I think we cannot leave the question of the nationalism to the right is because the right is going to uh, uh, articulate it in in, in a way, you know, But it can be articulated also in a a different way. And it is something, and the, 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 that is, is uh, um, what I'm going to say is very much based on my interest in psychoanalysis and the way in which, for instance, Freud show oh, there's a very strong, what they call, libidinal investment in national identity, you know, and, and it's no good to say, okay, we, we should abandon that and, and have some kind of post-national identities like uh, Abermas will go, well, we need to Start with how people are, you know, and wh- where they are, are their effects, In order to, you know, orient them in 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 a progressive way, but not simply say, oh, you know, you, you are a, a, a racist uh, because you you are insisting on on uh, uh, the importance of of the nation. So this is again a question of articulation. I I, I would say what well, you we are going to say that it's I'm, I, it's always the, the answer, but. Uh, um, the, the question about the, 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 the difference between the states and the structure of the. Well, you know, I think that it depends. Uh, there should not be any blueprint for what a left populist movement should do. That very much depends on the, 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 the specific condition in each country. And I think, for instance, that a left pop. and, and being. Inter, well, living in Britain, following what's happening in here. Uh, uh, very much also in in in, in terms of happening in France and, and and in Spain, I see that it's very different. You know, it's very different, precisely because uh, the, the left-wing populism need to be start from the condition in the country and and and, the, and then you know to adapt to that, and and they should not be something ah if left populism must, uh, 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 um, for instance the, 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 the question of uh, um, the constitutional reform that. But it might be important in some circumstances. It might not be another. You know, one one need to to really uh, see what are the, the, the what is the conjuncture. I'm, I'm I'm obsessed with that. We always need to start from a given conjuncture, not coming. Ah, oh, this is what you should do. And and here I I, I say that uh, also, for instance, probably something important to insist on that. In in the book, I do not, the way in in which I define left left populism, I insist again, discursive strategy of the constitution of the political frontier, that if it is on the basis of the people, again, the the, the, the oligarchy, what the aim is to, Create a, a, a popular movement a people that will be able to bring about a new hegemony, to, to offer an alternative to neoliberalism, to bring a new hegemony. But this new hegemony around the, the, the main theme, radicalization of democracy. But this is going to be very different according to different countries. For instance, here in Britain, you speak of uh, 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 democratic socialism. Mm-hmm. Don't even try to use that in Spain, it will not work. You know, uh, 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 in 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 France, for instance, Jean Luc Mélenchon speak of eco-socialism. So this, and, and I insist on this point: uh, left populism is not a regime. Mm-hmm. It's not a regime. It's not that you know you should. This is what you should do. No, it it's something that transforms the relation of forces, open the way for a radicalization of democracy, and then. This radicalization of democracy is going to a different trajectory, different from according to different countries. For instance, and you were mentioning Bernie Sanders, and of course, for me, Bernie Sanders is also a left populism, but obviously the situation in, in the U.S. is very yeah. different, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much something. W- w- what is in common is that the, the frontier should be first, very important you need to establish a frontier because and and you were referring for instance to the specificity of uh, Corbynism and of course i think that the, the the question of the change of slogan is very telling yeah? because uh, uh, for Tony blair if there is no frontier we are all middle class you know there is no more left and right and think now okay uh, uh, what is really interesting for me, uh, according to uh, the, uh, the way in which the Labour Party is developing under Corbyn, is that you break with the, the post-politics. Say no, we need a frontier, you know, and this, the many, not the few. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's uh, definitely the, the, the populist gesture, and then of course, you know, the, you are going to construct the many and the few according to the different different, different uh, conjuncture. Uh, uh, but this is what is this in common. The, the, let's say. Establish a frontier, and that frontier constructed in terms of the people understood as the articulation of a multiplicity of heterogeneous democratic demands. So let's say the key word for me for left populism is to create the condition for a radicalization of democracy, but that is going to take very different form according to the circumstances. The first question. Uh, everybody here thinks that I've got the answer to the, all the problems. The question, the, to imagine, uh, and, and, and in fact it's a question into which I'm very uh, I'm particularly interested, but not in terms of going but imagining precisely the, 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 the kind of signifying affective practices, uh, uh, or to use uh, um, Spinoza's term again, the, the, the affectio, well first it's, it's, it's not us theorists we should resolve this it's not a theoretical problem to be resolved because that will be totally the, 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 the kind of rationalist thing, thing that I put into, into question what uh, I'm doing is that to, to suggest problems question and then of course is you the the, the the people you know were engaged in the movement that need to envisage the kind of practice that you know, will be uh, uh, um, really conducive to mobilizing passion, you know, in, in, in a progressive way. I mean, uh, and, and that of course requires uh, engaging with, uh, and I insist very much on that, with actual struggle, you know, go, going to where they are, people who are organized movement. By engaging with them, then you can see how you, the kind of influence you, you, you can have. But it's not a problem, a theoretical problem to be resolved, it's a practical problem that needs to be written in practice, inscribing oneself in actual practices.
0: Well, Chantal, thank you very much. Uh, Can we thank uh, Anna B for helping us and Verso Books for publishing this very significant book. Um, Thank you all for coming to listen to, I think, a very stimulating uh, conversation we've had. Can we thank Chantal for coming on?
3: Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk
6: forward events. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.